when the end, when the end, Hey, hey, hello, friends. What is up, fellow wisdom seekers, fellow truth seekers, anybody just checking in, haters, doubters, skeptics, controlled opposition, anybody is welcome at the Brave New World Aura Podcast, straight out the catacombs of podcasting. I am Brandon St. One. Thank you all for joining me today on the journey as we dive into the Toronto Protocols by Serge Monast. I did an episode on this way, way back last year when I first started the podcast, but it's worth an update. If you don't know who Serge Monast is, he is one of the guys who talked about Project Blue Beam way, way back in the 90s, and it seemed like it may have cost him his life, but he also wrote in French because he's from Canada, from Quebec. He wrote the Toronto Protocols, about secret meetings that took place in the 1960s and in the 1980s, all about ushering in the new world order. So we are going to dive into his exact words and the documents that he talked about in publications from the 1990s. So we're going to swan dive headfirst into that abyss in just a moment. But before we do that, you know what time it is. If you like the Brave New World Order podcast, please take a second to hit that subscribe button, the like button, the share button, follow wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever platform, share this with your friends and family, get the information out there, let them make up their own minds. There's a whole world of information out there that has been kept from each and every single one of us as we all grew up indoctrinated into this crazy system that was created for us well before we were even born and thought of. So spread the word, help the Brave New World Order podcast get out there, crack the algorithm. I don't know if that even matters, but I do see the numbers. I see them increasing. I hear from all of you, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for reaching out, saying what's up, leaving reviews, answering the Q&A that I post on Spotify. If you're a listener on there, there's a question you can answer just to interact with you, my lovely listeners. I love hearing from you. You can reach out the Brave New World Order Podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Brave NWO Podcast. And if you really want to help out, help the show grow, support, you can. There are a couple links in the show notes. Thank you all once again. For being here. It's just me, Brandon St. One, running this show, producing it, putting it all together, researching. So I thank you all for helping me out spread the word because I know somebody must be doing it. I don't post on social media. I barely promote the show because I didn't start this to become a social media influencer or try to go viral. I just want to talk shit. So whoever's helping me out there and everybody else reaching out and supporting the show and following, sharing this. Thank you once again. So enough of that shameless self-promotion bullshit. We're going to get into the goods. Let's dive into the abyss. Let's become the abyss. And then we come out with more knowledge, stronger, with more clarity. This is 
The Toronto Protocols by Serge Manast. The Toronto Protocols 666 from the International Free Press Agency Intelligence Report by Serge Monast, 1995. Preface. The Toronto Protocol 666 is the title of a publication issued in 1995 by the Canadian investigative journalist Serge Monast, who lived from 1945 to 1996. This document allegedly detailed the agendas of two confidential meetings of a secret society named 666, which took place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, in 1967 and 1985, respectively. The Chilling Plot, which Manast's publication revealed, formed the basis of a multifaceted plan which was to be implemented in the 1970s and propelled into the 1990s, by which time the underpinnings would be prepared for the inevitable capture of global power under the auspices of the New World Order. At the time of its publication, the document was regarded as nonsense, and Manast was labeled a conspiracy theorist, although it may be argued that such a reaction may have been justified when taken into context of the times. In retrospect, it is now evident that the stratagems that Manast disclosed to the world in 1995 have been and continue to be effectuated as we enter the year 2023. The Toronto Protocol 666 First Meeting Fiction or reality, who can say? Be that as it may, according to some information obtained from France, but above all, to review the events that have occurred since the 25 years, it appears that the scenario described in this document allows us to better understand what, until today, seemed most incomprehensible to more than one. We deliver this document in full, with an additional analysis of new developments of current economies which, in themselves, seem to more than confirm the authenticity of which follows. End of June 1967 in Montreal, it's Expo 67, in Ottawa. There are the final preparations for the centennial of Confederation in the United States. It is protest against the Vietnam War and across the country. Flower power. We are close to the events of May 1968 in France. The explosion of nationalism in Quebec. The Woodstock Festival in the United States. But at the same time, this end of June of 1967 marks the final preparations for the development of the plan of the fall of nations by the high authorities of Anglo-Saxon Freemasonry in Toronto, Canada. This secret meeting, highly confidential, is organized by the 666. This is how they call themselves. That is to say those who run the six largest world banks, the six largest energy consortia on the planet, of which oil is a part and the six largest agri-food consortia, including the control of the world's main food routes. These 666, being the highest officials of international finance, will define, within their meeting, a common strategy, with a view to absolute control over world trade, on the possession of the energy weapon, open door to the 21st century, and on the international control of the food industry, which also includes for them the pharmaceutical concortia, including, in turn, the world market of vitamins and vaccines. Their plan 
can be summed up in three major orientations, the economic, the political, and the social for the 1970s and 1980s. If it succeeds, it must inevitably lead to the seizures of world power by the establishment of the new world order, the same which the American President George Bush will promote so much in the early 1990s. Title of the Document of 666, Bread and Circus Games An old Roman phrase to describe how the emperors entertained and fed the masses to distract them from taking an interest in politics. The Document Bread and Circus 1967 Globalist Project Goal The Vital Genocide for the Benefit of the Hidden Profit Means of Financing Project Among Other Things Use of Humanitarian Aid International Food Aid To Fund the Multinationals of the 666 All historical periods leading to the decadence of civilizations were marked without exception by the wandering spirit of men. Today, we must ensure that this spirit translates into a world leisure society under all its forms. This leisure must consist of sex, drugs, sport, travel, exoticism, and leisure in general, but accessible to all strata of the company. Man must come to believe that he is modern and that his modernity is made up of its capacity and its possibility of being able to enjoy largely and now of all that surrounds it. To achieve this objective, it is imperative to be able to infiltrate the media, radio, television, newspapers, the circles of fashion and culture, the circles of new music, by which we will influence, for sure, all layers of Western societies. Thus, by holding youth, the adults of tomorrow, under the control of the senses, we will therefore have the freedom to infiltrate and transform in depth without being worried, politics, the legal system, and education, which will allow us to modify in depth the course, the future orientation of the companies targeted by our plan. As we know it, the populations have no historical memory. They tirelessly repeat the errors of the past without realizing that these same errors had led their fathers before them to the same forfeitures that they themselves will live through, although in worse circumstances before the end of this century. See, for example, what their grandfathers experienced at the beginning of this century thanks to the hard work of our predecessors. After having experienced, without limits, the liberation of Moors, the abolition of morality, in other words, the wandering of the spirit. They experienced the economic crisis, then the war. Today, their grandchildren and their children are heading straight for a similar outcome, even worse, because this time it will finally allow us to set up our new world order without any of them being able to realize it. Too preoccupied, they will be to excessively satisfy their most primary sensual needs. A more than important general standard, which has already proven itself at the beginning of this present century in the construction and the establishment of the communist system by the late lamented high officers of our lodges, is the profitability of the exception. In principle, as we know, the exception proves the general rule which is contrary to it. 
but in our vocabulary, the exception is what must be imposed on everyone. We must make sure to make exceptions in different spheres of society as new general rules applicable to all. A primary objective of all future social protests led by the youth of nations. Thus, the exception will become the detonator by which all of historical society will collapse upon itself in shortness of breath and in unprecedented confusion. The foundations of Western society, in their essence, originate directly from the Judeo-Christian heritage. It is precisely this same heritage which made the family, the node, the cornerstone of all current existing social structure. Our predecessors, who had financed the revolutionary writers of the late 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century, had understood the importance of splitting up, then of shattering this vital core. If they were to succeed in establishing the new communist system in Russia at that time, and this is precisely what they did by having the nonconformist philosophers and writers of the time painstakingly produce a manifesto to the glory of the God state, which shall have absolute priority over the individual, over the family. To successfully achieve the construction of a world government, a new community world order where all individuals without exception will be subject to the world state of the new order, must first remove the family, which will entail at the same time the disappearance of ancestral religious teachings, and secondly, equalize all individuals by removing social classes, in particular the middle classes. But we must proceed in such a manner that all these changes appear to arise from the will of the people that they have the appearance of democracy. By using isolated cases and amplifying them to the extreme with the help of student protests infiltrated by us, journalists favorable to our cause, and bribed politicians, we will manage to set up new organizations with all the appearances of modernity, such as a child protection office protected by a charter of rights and freedoms. For the success of our world plan, the Red Plan, we need to implement in all the Western societies of the 1970s child protection offices whose civil servants, young intellectuals with no experience, fresh out of universities where our globalist principles are highlighted, will enforce to the letter without discernment the charter of the rights of the child. Who will dare to oppose this without being identified at the same time with the barbarities of the Middle Ages? This charter, painstakingly developed in our lodges, will finally allow us to destroy all parental authority by breaking up the family into individuals fiercely opposed to one another for the protection of their personal interests. It will encourage children to denounce parents who are too authoritarian because they are too traditional too religious. It will thus contribute to submitting the parents to a collective psychosis of fear, which will inevitably cause, in general, in society, a relaxation of parental authority. Thus, we will have succeeded, initially, in producing a society similar to that of Russia in the 1950s, where children, 
denounced their parents to the state in this without anyone noticing. By transferring the parental role to the state in this manner, it will be easier for us in the future to take over, one by one, all the responsibilities that had been, until now, the exclusive responsibility of the parents. This is how we will be able to have everyone consider traditional religious teaching of Judeo-Christian origin as child abuse. At the same time, but on another level, we will enshrine in the highest laws of the nations that all religions, cults, and religious practices of all kinds, including sorcery and magic, must all be equally respected. It will then be disconcertingly easy to transfer this role of the state in relation to the child to the highest international bodies, such as the United Nations. Let us understand this well. Our goal is not to protect children or anyone else, but to cause the breakup and subsequent fall of nations, which are a major obstacle to the establishment of our new world order. This is the reason why the child protection offices must be invested with absolute legal authority. They must be able, as they see fit, but always under the pretext of child protection, to be able to remove them from their original family environments and place them in foreign family environments or government centers already committed to our globalist and a-religious principles. Consequently, the total eradication of the Western family unit will thus be completed, and without the protection and supervision of their original parents, these children could thus be permanently handicapped in their psychological and moral development and represent, as a natural consequence, easily adaptable prey to our globalist aims. For the assured success of such an enterprise, it is essential that the civil servants working in these offices in the service of the state be young, without past experience, imbued with theories that we know are empty and ineffective, and above all, be obsessed with the missionary spirit as great protectors of childhood at risk, because for them, all parents must represent potential criminals, potential dangers to the well-being of the child, here considered to be a god. A child protection office and a children's bill of rights have no reason to be without children at risk. Moreover, the exceptions and historical examples used for their establishment would, sooner or later, disappear if they were not constantly fed by new cases occurring on a continuous basis. In this sense, we must infiltrate the education system of the nations to eliminate, under the cover of modernity and evolution, the teaching of religion, history, and etiquette while concurrently diluting language and mathematics under a cascade of new developments in the field of education. In this way, by removing from the younger generations all moral basis and boundaries, all knowledge of the past, and consequently all national pride, hence all respect for others, removing all power through knowledge of language and science, and thus reality, we will contribute to creating a youth widely disposed to all forms of delinquency. In this new universe, fragmented by the fear of parents and their abandonment of all responsibility towards their children, we will have the dominion to form, in our own way, 
and according to our primary objectives, a youth where arrogance, contempt, and the humiliation of others will be considered as the new basis of self-affirmation and freedom. But we know from past experience that a similar youth is already condemned to its self-destruction because it is fundamentally individualistic, therefore anarchist by definition. In this sense, it can in no way represent a solid basis for the continuity of any society whatsoever, let alone a safe bet for the care of its elderly. In the same vein, it is also imperative to create a charter of individual rights and freedoms and citizen protection offices by dangling to the masses that these innovations are an integral part of the modernity of new societies of the 20th century. Concurrently, and in like manner, but at another level, to pass new laws for respect and individual freedom, as in the case of the family, but on the level of the society, these laws will come into conflict with the rights of the community, thus leading the societies concerned right to their self-destruction, because here, the inversion is complete. It is no longer society, the right of the majority, which must be protected against individuals who can threaten it, but rather the right of the individual, which must be protected against possible threats from the majority. This is the goal we have set for ourselves. To complete the breakup of the family, of the education system, and therefore of society in general, it is essential to encourage sexual freedom at all levels of Western society. We must reduce the individual, and therefore the masses, to the obsession of satisfying their primary instincts by all possible means. We know that this stage represents the culmination point by which any society will eventually collapse on itself. Was it not so with the Roman Empire at its height, and with all similar civilizations throughout history? By men of science and laboratories funded by our lodges, we have succeeded in developing a chemical process that will revolutionize all Western societies and will relegate to oblivion forever Judeo-Christian moral and religious principles. This process, in the form of a pill, will open the way to sexual freedom without consequences and will push the women of the nations to want to break with what will then be perceived as being the yoke of the past, the slavery of women subjected to the man and to the traditional Judeo-Christian family. Formerly, the center and pivot of the family unit, the modern woman, will become an independent individual who will want to break with her traditional role, detach herself from the family, and lead her life according to her own personal aspirations. Nothing more natural we know, but where we will intervene strongly will be to infiltrate all the new feminine protest movements by pushing their logic to its extreme limits of consequence, limits that are already inscribed in the definitive breakup of the traditional family and of the Judeo-Christian society. This sexual liberation will be the ultimate means by which it will be possible for us to eliminate from the popular consciousness any reference to good and evil. The collapse of this religious barrier and morality will allow us to complete the process of the false liberation of man from his past.
but which in reality is a form of slavery which will be profitable to our globalist plans. This opens the door for the encouragement of sexual freedom from divorce and abortion on request to the legal recognition of the various forms of homosexuality will help us to radically change the historical basis of the legal right of the societies. It will be a major asset in pushing all individuals towards a general relaxation of morals to divide individuals from each other according to their own instincts and interests, to destroy the future of youth by pushing them into harmful experiences of hasty sex and abortion, and to morally break future generations by pushing them to alcoholism, various drugs, and suicide, that it be considered by a disillusioned youth abandoned to itself as being a chivalrous end. Let us deceive the youth of the nations through specious representation of their parents as being irresponsible, irreligious, immoral, ultimately seeking only pleasure, escape and the unbridled satisfaction of their instincts at the cost of lies, hypocrisy, and betrayal. Let's make divorce and abortion a new social custom accepted by all. Let us thus push her to criminality in all its forms and to take refuge in distinct groups out of reach of the family environment, which she will inevitably perceive as being a threat to her own survival. The social fabric being thus upset forever, it will then be possible for us to act on the politics and the economics of nations in order to subject them to our thanks, to forcefully accept our plans for a new world order. Admittedly, the nations deprived of a strong youth, of a society where individuals are grouped around a common ideal and reinforced by unfailing moral ramparts such that would have provided bygone support, can only abdicate to our global will. Thus, we can then inaugurate what was extensively announced by our past creations, the communist system, which prophesized a world revolution set in motion by all the rejected of the earth, and the Nazism, by which we had announced a new world order for 1,000 years. This is our ultimate goal, the rewarded service of all the brave dead who for centuries worked towards its accomplishment. Let's say it loud and clear, all the brothers of the past lodges who died in anonymity for the realization of this ideal that it is now at our fingertips. It is well recognized by all that man once having ensured his primary needs, food, clothing, and lodging, is much more inclined to be less vigilant. Let him lull his conscience while we orient his mind as we please by creating, out of the blue, favorable economic conditions. So, during this period of the 1970s when our agents will ubiquitously infiltrate the different spheres of society to have our new standards accepted in education, legal, social, and political law, we will take care to cultivate an economic climate of confidence, work for all, the opening of credit for all, leisure for all will be our vehicles for the illusory creation of a new social class, the middle class, for once our objectives have been achieved. This class in the middle, located between the secular poor and we the rich, 
we will extirpate by definitively eliminating all means of its survival. In this sense, we will make nation-states the new parents of individuals through this climate of trust where our international agents will have done what is necessary to remove any specter of world war, we shall encourage excessive centralization for the state. In this way, individuals can gain a sense of total freedom to explore while the legendary burden of personal responsibilities is transferred to the state. This is how it will be possible for us to dizzily increase the burden of the state by multiplying without any limits the mass of intellectual civil servants. Assured for years in advance of material security, these will consequently be perfect executors of the governmental power, in other words, our power. Thus, creating an impressive body of civil servants who, on their own, will form a government within the government, regardless of the political party that resides in power. This anonymous machine could one day serve as a lever when the time comes to accelerate the economic collapse of the nation-states, because they will not be able to sustain such a wage bill indefinitely without having to go into debt beyond their means. On the other hand, this same machine, which will give a cold and insensitive image of the governmental apparatus, a complex machine, useless in many of its functions, will serve us as a screen and protection against the populations, because who will dare to venture through the mazes of such a labyrinth in order to assert their personal grievances? Also, during this period of general dizziness, we will also take advantage of it to buy or eliminate, according to the needs of the moment, all the business leaders, the heads of the large state bodies, and the scientific research centers whose action and efficiency would risk giving too much power to nation-states. It is absolutely not necessary that the state becomes an independent force in itself, which would risk to escape us and to endanger our ancestral plans. We will also ensure that we have absolute control over all the supranational structures of the nations. These international organizations must be placed under our absolute jurisdiction. In the same way, and to guarantee the profitability of our influence with the populations, we will need to control all the media of information. Our banks will therefore finance only those which are favorable to us, while they will supervise the closure of the most recalcitrant. This should, in principle, pass almost unnoticed by the populations, absorbed as they will be by their need to make more money and to be entertained. We will need to take care of finalizing, as of now, the phase of deregionalization of the rural areas started at the beginning of the economic crisis of 1929. Overcrowding the cities was the bedfellow of the Industrial Revolution. The rural owners, by the economic independence, their capacity to produce the basis of the food supply of the states, is a threat for us. And our future plans, crammed into cities, they will be more independent on our industries to survive. We cannot allow the existence of groups independent of our power. Therefore, let's eliminate the landlords by making them obedient slaves to the industries under our control. As for the others, let's allow them to organize themselves into agricultural cooperatives that our agents will infiltrate 
to better guide them according to our future priorities. Through the state, let us endeavor to highlight the obligatory respect for the diversity of cultures, of peoples, of religions, and of ethnic groups, which offer us many means to put individual freedom before the notion of national unity, which will allow us to better divide the populations of the nation-states, and thus weaken them in their authority and in their capacity to maneuver. Push to these extreme limits, but on the international level, this concept in the future will urge the ethnic groups of the different nations to regroup and respectively claim their own individual part of power, which will finish ruining the nations and will cause them to burst into endless wars. When the nation-states will thus be weakened by so many internal struggles, all based on the recognition of the rights of minorities to their independence, that nationalists divided into different cultural and religious factions will blindly oppose each other in struggles without resolution, that the youth will have completely lost touch with its roots. Then we can use the United Nations to begin to impose our new world order. Moreover, at this stage, the humanitarian, social, and historical ideas of nation-states will have long since burst under the pressure of internal divisions. End of Document 666 Dated End of June 1967 The Toronto Protocol 666 Second Meeting 18 years later, that is 666 in time, another meeting of importance in Canada was held. The group of 666 met again in Toronto at the end of June 1985, but this time in order to finalize the last stages leading to and on the collapse of the nation-states and on the seizure of international power by the United Nations. The document Red Dawn, 1985 Globalist Project Goal Establishment of the Occult World Means of Financing Project Control of the IMF, GATT, Brussels Committee, NATO, UN, and other international organizations. The last 18 years have been very fruitful for the advancement of our world projects. I can tell you, brethren, that we are almost at the end now. The fall of the nation-states is only a matter of time. Quite short, I must admit to you with confidence. Thanks to our undercover agents and our colossal financial means, unprecedented progress has now been made in all areas of science and technology, of which we financially control the largest corporations. Since the secret meetings, with Mr. Rothschild in the 1950s, the purpose of which was to finalize the development and the worldwide establishment of the computers, it is now possible for us to glimpse the establishment of kind of international highway where all these machines would be linked together because, as you already know, the direct and individual control of the populations of the planet would be at the very least totally impossible without the use of computers and their electronic attachment to each other in a vast global network. These machines also have the advantage of being able to replace millions of individuals. Moreover, they possess neither conscience nor morality, which is essential 
for the success of a project like ours. Above all, these machines accomplish without discussion everything that is dictated to them. They are the perfect slaves of which our predecessors dreamed so much, but without their having been able to suspect that one day it would be possible for us to accomplish such a miracle. These machines without country, without color, without religion, without political affiliation, are the ultimate achievement and tool of our new world order. They are the cornerstone. The organization of these machines in a vast global network of which we will control the superior levers will serve us to immobilize the populations. How? As you know, the basic structure of our new world order is composed, in its essence, of a multitude of diverse networks, each covering all the spheres of human activity throughout the entire expanse of the planet. Until now, all these networks were linked together by a common ideological basis, that of man as being the center and the ultimate achievement of the universe. Thus, thanks to all these networks, united by the link of the new religion of man for man, we were able to easily infiltrate all human sectors in all Western countries and modify the base Judeo-Christian. The result is that today, this man, whether he is part of politics, economics, social, education, scientific, or religious, has already, since our last meeting at the end of June 1967, abandoned its past heritage and replaced it with our ideal of a world religion based solely on man. Cut off as he is now from his historical roots, this man does not wait more. Ultimately, that a new ideology is proposed to him. This, of course, is ours, that of the global community village of which it will be the center. And this is precisely what we will bring to him by encouraging him to be part, body, and soul of this global electronic network where the borders of the nation states will have been forever abolished, annihilated to their deepest roots. While this bewildered man will be absorbed in his blind enthusiasm to be part of his new world community by being part of this vast network of computers, for our part we will see from the higher levers that will be hidden from him to file it, to identify it, to account for it, and to make it profitable according to our own objectives. Because inside this new global company, no individual having a potential of profitability for us will not be able to escape us. The constant contribution of electronic technology will have to assure us of all the means to file, identify, and control all the individuals of the populations of the West. As for those who will not represent any exploitable profitability by us, we will see that they eliminate themselves through all the local internal wars that we will have taken care to break out here and there by having us served and of the fall of the economy of the nation states and of the oppositions and claims of the various groups composing these same states. Here, then, is the detailed way in which we will proceed between now and 1998 to pave the way for the birth of our world government. 1. Increase tenfold the leisure society which has been so profitable 
to us to date by using the invention of video that we financed and games attached to it. Let us end up perverting the morality of youth. Let's give him the opportunity to satisfy all his instincts now, a being possessed by his senses and a slave to them. We know has neither ideal nor inner strength to defend anything. He is individualistic by nature and represents a perfect candidate whom we can mold easily according to our desires and our priorities. Besides, remember how easily our predecessors were able to orient all German youth at the beginning of the century by using the disillusionment of the latter? 2. Encourage student protest for all causes related to ecology. The compulsory protection of the latter will be a major asset the day when we will have pushed the nation states to exchange their internal debt against the loss of 33% of all their territories remained in the wild state. 3. Let us fill the inner void of this youth by initiating it from its very young age to the world of computers. Let us use for that its system of education, a slave in the service of another slave that we control. 4. On another level, let us establish international free trade as an absolute priority for the economic survival of nation-states. This new economic conception will help us to accelerate the decline of the nationalists of all nations, to isolate them in various factions, and at the desired time, to fiercely oppose them to each other in internal wars which will complete the ruin of these nations. 5. To ensure, at all costs, the success of such an enterprise, let us ensure that our agents already infiltrated the ministries of intergovernmental affairs and emigration of the nation-states have the laws of these ministries modified in depth. These changes will essentially aim to open the door of Western countries to increasingly massive immigration within their borders, immigrations that we will have provoked by having taken care to cause new local conflicts to burst here and there. Through well-orchestrated press campaigns in the public opinion of the targeted nation-states, we will provoke among them a large influx of refugees which will have the effect of destabilizing their internal economy and increasing racial tensions in the inside their territory. We will see to it that foreign extremist groups are part of these influxes of immigrants, which will facilitate the political, economic, and social destabilization of the nations concerned. 6. This free trade, which, in reality, is not one because it is already controlled by us at the top of the economic hierarchy. Let's infiltrate it in the trilateral commission, that of the Asia, that of America, that of Europe. It will bring us discord within the nation states by the rise in unemployment linked to the restructuring of our multinationals. 7. Let's slowly but surely transfer our multinationals to new countries, won over to the idea of the market economy, such as the countries of Eastern Europe, Russia, and China, for example. We don't really care for now 
whether or not their population represents a large pool of new consumers. What interests us is to have access in the first place to slave labor, cheap and non-unionized, offered to us by these countries and those of the third world. Besides, aren't there governments put in place by us? Do they not appeal to foreign aid and to loans from our International Monetary Fund and our World Bank? These transfers offer several advantages for us. They contribute to maintaining these new populations in the illusion of economic liberation, of political freedom, when in reality we will dominate them by the appetite for gain and a debt for which they will never be able to escape. As the Western populations, they will be maintained in the dream of economic well-being because the products imported from these countries will not suffer any price increase. On the other hand, without them realizing it at first, more and more industries will be forced to close their doors because of the transfers that we will have made outside Western countries. These closures will increase unemployment and bring significant loss of revenue for nation states. 8. Thus, we will set up a global economy on a world scale which will escape completely from the control of the state's nations. This new economy will be above everything. No political or trade union pressure can have any power over it. It will dictate its own world policies and will force a political reorganization, but according to our priorities on a world scale. 9. By this independent economy having no laws but our laws, we will establish a world mass culture. By controlling international television, media, we will establish a new culture, but leveled, uniform for all, without any future creation escaping us. Future artists will be in our image, or they will not be able to survive. Gone are the days when independent cultural creations jeopardized our globalist projects at any time, as was so often the case in the past. 10. By this same economy, it will then be possible for us to use the military forces of the nation-states, such as those of the United States, for humanitarian purposes. In reality, these forces will serve us to submit recalcitrant countries to our will. Thus, third world countries and others like them will not be able to escape our will to use their people as slave labor. 11. To control the world market, we will have to divert the productivity of its first goal, freeing the man from the hardness of work. We will orient it according to turning it against man by enslaving him to our economic system where he will have no choice but to become our slave and even a future criminal. 12. All these transfers abroad of our multinationals and the global reorganization of the economy will aim, among other things, to increase unemployment in Western countries. This situation will be all the more achievable because at the start, we will have favored the massive importation of basic products within the nation states. And at the same time, we will have overloaded these states by the exaggerated use of their population to the production of services 
that they will no longer be able to pay for. These extreme conditions will multiply by millions the masses of welfare recipients of all kinds, illiterate, homeless. 13. By the loss of millions of jobs in the primary sector, even the disguised flight of foreign capital out of the nation-states, it will thus be possible for us to put life-threatening social harmony by the specter of civil war. 14. These international manipulations of the governments and populations of nation-states will provide us with the pretext to use our MFI to push Western governments to implement austerity budgets under the cover of the illusory reduction of their national debt, the hypothetical preservation of their international credit rating, of the impossible preservation of social peace. 15. By these emergency budgetary measures, we will thus break the financing of the nation-states for all their mega-projects, which represent a direct threat to our world control of the economy. 16. Besides, all these austerity measures will allow us to break the national wills of modern structures in the fields of energy, agriculture, transport, and new technologies. 17. These same measures will offer us the perfect opportunity to establish our ideology of economic competition. This will result within the nation-states in the voluntary reduction of salaries, voluntary departures with awards and medals for services rendered, which will open the doors to the establishment of our control technology everywhere. In this perspective, all of these departures will be replaced by computers at our service. 18. These social transformations will help us to change in depth the police and military manpower of the nation-states under the pretext of the necessities of the moment and without arousing suspicion. We will get rid once and for all of all individuals with a Judeo-Christian consciousness. This restructuring of the police and military corps will allow us to dismiss without contest the elderly personnel as well as all the elements that do not convey our globalist principles. These will be replaced by young recruits devoid of conscience and morality and already all trained and favorable to the inconsiderate use of our technology of electronic networks. 19. At the same time, and always under the pretext of budgetary cuts, we will see to the transfer of the military bases of the nation-states towards the Organization of the United Nations. 20. In this perspective, we will work on the reorganization of the international mandate of the United Nations from a peace force Without decision-making power, we will lead it to become an intervention force where the military forces of the nation-states will be merged into a homogenous whole. This will allow us to carry out without a fight the demilitarization of all these states so that none of them in the future will be sufficiently powerful to question our world power. 21. To speed up this process of transfer, we will involve the current force of the nations, united in resolved conflicts. In this way, 
and with the help of the media that we control, we will show people the impotence and uselessness of this force in its current form. Frustration, helping and push to its climax at the right time, will push the population of the nation-states to beg the international authorities to form such a multinational force as soon as possible in order to protect peace at all costs. 22. The forthcoming appearance of this global desire for a multinational military force will go hand-in-hand with the establishment within the nation-states of a multi-jurisdictional intervention force. This combination of police and military personnel, created on the pretext of increasing political and social instability inside these states, collapsing under the burden of economic problems, will allow us to better control Western populations. Here, the excessive use identification and electronic filing of individuals will provide us with comprehensive monitoring of all target populations. 23. This internal and external police and military reorganization of the nation-states will allow everything to converge towards the obligation of setting up a world judicial center. This center will allow the various police corps of the nation-states to have rapid access to data banks on all the individuals potentially dangerous for us on the planet. The image of a better judicial efficiency and the increasingly close links created and maintained with the military will help us to highlight the need for an international tribunal coupled with a world judicial system, one for individual civil and criminal cases, and the other for nations. 24. During the growth accepted by all of these new necessities, it will be imperative for us to complete as soon as possible global control of firearms within the territories of nation-states. To do this, we will accelerate the Alpha Plan implemented during the 1960s by some of our predecessors. This plan originally had two objectives, which had remained the same today. By the intervention of crazy shooters, create a climate of insecurity in the populations to bring about tighter control of firearms fire, directing acts of violence in such a way as to blame them on religious extremists or people affiliated with traditional religious allegiances or even people claiming to have privileged communications with God. Today, in order to accelerate this gun control, we will be able to use the falling economic conditions of the nation-states, which will bring with it a complete destabilization of the social, therefore increased violence. I don't need to remind you, nor to demonstrate to you, brothers, the foundations of this control of firearms. Without it, it would become almost impossible for us to bring the populations of the targeted states to their knees. Remember how successfully our predecessors were able to control Germany in the 1930s with the new laws implemented at the time. Laws, moreover, on which are based the current laws of the nation-states for this same control. 25. The last steps refer to the Omega phase experienced from the experiments carried out at the beginning of the 1970s. They contain the application 
on a world scale of electromagnetic weapons, climate changes resulting in the destruction of crops, the bankruptcy under these conditions of agricultural land, the denaturing by artificial means of commonly consumed foodstuffs, the poisoning of nature through excessive and thoughtless exploitation, and the massive use of chemicals in agriculture. All this, brethren, will lead to the assured ruin of the food industries of the nation-states. The future of the population control of these states passes obligatorily by the absolute control by us of the food production on a world scale and by the takeover of the main food routes of the planet. To do this, it is necessary to use electromagnetic, among other things, to destabilize the climates of the most agriculturally productive states. As for the poisoning of nature, it will be all the more accelerated as the increase in populations will push to it without restriction. 26. The use of electromagnetic to cause earthquakes in the most important industrial regions of the nation-states will contribute to accelerate the economic fall of the states most threatening for us, as well as to amplify the obligation of the establishment of our new world order. 27. Who can suspect us? Who will be able to suspect the means used? Those who dare to stand up against us by disseminating information about the existence and content of our conspiracy will become suspect in the eyes of the authorities of their nation and their population. Thanks to the disinformation, the lie, the hypocrisy, and the individualism that we have created within the people of the nation-states, man has become an enemy for the man. Thus, these independent individuals, who are most dangerous for us precisely because of their freedom, will be considered by their fellows as being enemies not liberators, the slavery of children, the plunder of the wealth of the third world, unemployment, propaganda, for the liberation of drugs, the brutalization of the youth of the nations, the ideology of respect for individual liberty, disseminating within of the Judeo-Christian churches and within the nation-states, obscurantism considered as a basis of pride inter-ethnic conflicts, and our latest achievement, budgetary restrictions, all this allow us at last to see the ancestral accomplishment of our dream, that of the establishment of our new world order. End of end document, June 1985. Conclusion. So, the Toronto Protocol 666, myth or reality? It would be like asking if Brave New World is also a myth or a reality, even if it's a novel. However, its author also had access to period documents to create it. Its author knew very well that the revelation, the dissemination of the information that he possessed, but in another form than that of the novel, would have aroused among the populations much more distrust than acceptance. And how many other authors have also had to use the same stratagem to warn their contemporaries and future generations. So, the Toronto Protocol 666, myth or reality? 
the urgency of the current situation that generated by the beginning of the budgetary restrictions, which marks the beginning of the end, the near realization of the new occult world order did not allow the writing of a novel. But the impact caused by the revelation of these documents is all the same important because their publication will have the effect of placing on the defensive those who are at the origin of them. What is desired here is that beyond the misinformation conveyed and maintained by the unscrupulous politicians and by people frightened in the face of the possibility of losing personal interests, each reader can reflect, regroup with others similar to him, and now take the means to survive in the face of what is to come. Even if my life is in danger because of the diffusion of information like this, Yours is even more so by the ignorance of this same information. So, the Toronto Protocol 666, myth or reality, it's up to you to answer. It's up to you to see, in recent, past, and future events, whether these documents belong to the realm of fiction or reality. It's up to you to realize that fear has no other purpose than to paralyze you and to place you at the mercy of those who only want to control you in order to better enslave you according to their interests, which, in the end, are not yours. So, the Toronto Protocol 666, myth or reality, Serge Monast, investigative journalist, end of March, 1995. Okay, all right, that was the Toronto Protocols by Serge Manast. I hope that you take that in and think about everything that's going on, all the mind fuckery that's going on, and really just process it and make up your own mind about these kinds of things. But it definitely seems like what he was talking about is playing out in real time as we speak. We got multiple mass shootings happening multiple news stories just every single day the news cycle is just going so fast everybody's confused nobody knows what to think about everything that's happening so just take it into consideration look at what's happening in the news listen to Serge Manast's words and make up your own mind like I say question everything but to me it makes a lot of sense and this ties into my previous episode if you haven't listened to it it's called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, and it's about the same type of control mechanisms about a secret release document that was unearthed in a copying machine that was bought at a thrift store. So definitely check that episode out if you haven't listened to it already. It mentions what the Toronto Protocols mentions about Rothschild meetings of the 1950s and how he was adamant about computers eventually being used to gather information and as a means to control everybody. And this got brought up again in the Toronto Protocol. So let me know what you think of that episode as well as this one. Reach out the Brave New World Order Podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Brave NWO Podcast. Also, if you listen on Spotify, there is a question on there, Q&A. You can answer that. It helps the show grow. It helps me see what you think about this podcast. And so far... I thank each and every one of you for reaching out to me. With that, it's going great. It really makes this all so much better hearing from each and every one of you. It really does. So keep on contacting me, answer the questions, leave reviews, follow, share, 
the Brave New World Order podcast, wherever you can, friends, family, random people at stop signs, at lights, your boss, whoever, anybody that will listen. If you want to help support the show, you can. There are a couple links. Help the show grow. That's the only way that this is going to get done. Like I said earlier, and I'll keep saying it, I didn't start a podcast so that I could go viral on Twitter or TikTok or that I could become some kind of social media influencer. I just want to explore topics and ideas, share them with you, and hear from you, and I hope that you enjoy them. That's what it's about. So I thank you all for the help and following me on this journey. I got so much more to explore, and I hope that you come along with me in the future. I will see you soon. In the meantime, stay positive. First and foremost, the weather's getting nice. Summer is right in front of our faces. Make sure you do the things that make you feel good. Positive things. Spend time with your friends, your family. Listen to music. Get outside with nature. Whatever it is that gets you through the day. Stay positive. Do those things. Question everything. And think for yourself. I will see you soon. Much love, everyone. I'm Brandon St. One. Peace out.